Hello everybody, happy new year and welcome to episode 145 of the Metal Hammer podcast, our first of 2021. Hope all you guys out there and girls out there got to have a good uh, break and some downtime in amongst all the madness. We've got loads of good stuff coming up this year that we're really excited about to show off to you and get working on. It's going to be a good year, I can feel it in my bones everybody. Uh, So we roll on uh, and before we kind of get stuck into this week's podcast... We want to talk about the brand new issue of Metal Hammer that is out in shops right now. We wanted to start the year with a bang. Um, fuck it, Al. I haven't said hi to you yet. Hi, Al. Hi. <laughs> I was actually going to jump in and correct you. It's not a new issue. It's a new four issues. Well, it's, it's a, a new, new issue with four covers. It is a new <laughs> issue with four covers. Um, yeah, because I wanted to, you know, I thought we'd both talk about it. Uh, so we kind of, it's not quite become a tradition, but um, kind of every so often, every other January or so, we'll do something like, a big campaign where we do four different bands on the cover. It's something we've done a couple of times in the recent past, I think. And we try and pick bands that are kind of interesting or maybe a bit younger or maybe don't kind of get to go on the cover of Metal Hammer as much uh, anymore. So, for instance, last year, I think we had King Diamond on there. We had Parkway Drive on there. This year, we decided to really go all out because there are so many exciting young bands in the metal scene right now many of whom are coming from places in the world which you never used to associate with metal in years gone by, many who are playing types of music that aren't even really like heavy metal music, but they've just seemed to become a vital part of the growing underground scene in the modern era. Um, So we thought, fuck it, we're going to go all out with four young bands, four bands making their debut on the cover of Metal Hammer. These are four completely separate covers. You can go and pick them all up in UK shops right now. Uh, And we are very excited about them. Uh, first up, making their debut on the cover of Metal Hammer, we have the one and only Who. Uh, that's H-U, obviously. Mongolian metal superstars, Metallica's new favourite band, so it seems. Hundreds of millions of uh, streams on Spotify and all the rest of it. One of the most insane success stories in metal in recent years. Making their Metal Hammer cover debut this month, courtesy of a brilliant feature by Danny Levers. Uh, this is exciting, isn't it, Al? The Who. So excited. I know, I thought you were going to break into the chant and go, who, 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 which is like the chant that you have to do when you go and watch The Who, but it just sounds stupid unless you're with other people. But yeah, (laughs) I love The Who, they're brilliant. We talked about them last year. We went to see them at London's Electric Ballroom and they've got just an amazing sound that fuses traditional instrumentation with modern heavy metal and they're all so passionate and into it as well. They just play with a real energy and everybody's chanting their name when you go and watch them and they're just cool i'm really excited they're on the cover me too they are an awesome band and they are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger um and joining the who also on the cover of metal hammer this month are the one and only high lung one of the most unique and fascinating bands in the underground today playing this kind of earthy tribalistic style of music again you can't even really call them a heavy metal band in the traditional sense but they are just completely bewitched the metal underground uh and kind of i guess under the radar they've become one of the biggest young bands in the scene today they're headlining brixton academy at the end of the year which is absolutely crazy uh so again as with all four of these covers just a really unexpected success story aren't they i feel like if you haven't been keeping up to date with music, you turn around and you'd be like, who's this band playing this big venue? And if you have been keeping up with it, 
it's still like an amazing ascent mm. they're just a really unique band and even the band themselves as you can read in the feature said they expected to remain some kind of cult proposition just doing things that kind of came from the heart and from the soul and somehow it's taken off thanks to a combination of kind of their live experience and just that connection that they can make with people they're just a awesome band I'm really excited about them as well they're so cool kind of i guess the very top of this wave of kind of uh pagan-esque uh bands that are just taken over the underground and they're one of the most very exciting ones so we've got the who we've got highlung uh that highlung feature was written by the one and only dave everly i should add great great piece as well um we've also got the mighty alien weaponry coming straight out of new zealand l went over to america to hang with them last year l also wrote their cover story uh, a brilliant band probably the most metal band of these four covers uh, even though they've got a lot of unique sounds and um, aesthetics about them as well uh tell us about the alien weaponry cover Will. yeah alien weaponry amazing new band um they've just had a change of basis but basically three young dudes from new zealand who are writing about maori culture and talking about kind of stories from the past and weaving in their own experiences and history and like you said the most metal of the bunch really sort of following in a groove metal tradition um they're just yeah barely out of school and super passionate about metal and all that entails but at the same time really mature like really got their eyes fixed on big things and just having a blast doing it and that you know they want to be big and I think they will be hard hard agree they've been a huge success wherever they've played alien weaponry and uh yeah they are definitely a band to look out for as are the one and only i've talked about them a ton over the past couple of years i'm so excited that they're another band making their metal hammer cover debut this month twin temple are the final of our four cover stars this month the devil meets do what starlets uh saw them at the london jazz cafe last year they were absolutely brilliant we did an interview with them as well which you can listen to uh somewhere back in the metal hammer podcast archives and whatever platform uh you listen to that's on uh and i caught up with them for this uh for this month's cover feature um catching up with alexandra and zachary two of the most fascinating young personalities in metal today talking about the fact that uh, as with uh, many of these bands that we're talking about on these covers, they don't play metal music at all. They play doo-wop, which is a kind of a strain of old school rock and roll music. Um, uh, and yet it's undeniably the metal scene that has most clearly embraced them. I think a lot of that is to do with their satanic values and their uh, devotion to Satanism, their gigs feature uh, sermons and people getting bathed in blood and all sorts of crazy shit. It's all good stuff. And so we talked about their journey into the music scene, their upbringing. Uh, Alexandra in particular has quite a unique and interesting and uh, in some ways quite difficult to read a story about her, her kind of journey into um, American life and uh, into music itself. So that's all in the new issue. Those are our four cover stars for this month. Twin Temple, Alien Weaponry, High Lung, The Who, four brilliant, unique, exciting young bands all with their own cover. So whichever one you like the sound of the most, you can go and pick that up right now in UK shops. Uh, of course, making sure that you do it safely and during your essential uh, shop whenever you happen to be doing that at the moment. Uh, there's lots more on the new issue of Matt Hammer as well. We've got a great feature on Iron Maiden and the inside story of the rise and rise of the new wave of British heavy metal. Uh, we've got a great big interview with Head from Corn, who's got his new uh, band project on the go. So he talks to us 
all about that, along with some other stuff about his, quite frankly, batshit insane career. Uh, we got a big preview of all things 2021. We look at what might be happening from the likes of Iron Maiden, Gajira, Ghost. We've got an interview with Mastodon where they talk about their new album. Uh, we look at the likes of Spirit Box, Architects, Epica, and many more. See what all they're up to. And as well as all that, we've got a big review of the new World Junior album. They're another band that are just completely taking over metal, despite not really being heavy metal in the traditional sense. We go inside their epic new album. We've got new interviews with the Pretty Reckless, uh, Nova Twins, loads of stuff, all in the new issue of Melt Hammer. We're starting 2021 with a bang, so go and pick it up right now, I reckon. I didn't hear you give the buy link for online, Merlin. Can you remind me what that is? Well spotted, L. I'm glad <laughs> you spotted what was definitely a test and not me being a forgetful twat because it's been a few weeks since I've done the podcast. Uh, it's tinyurl.com slash gethammer to pick up the latest issue online. Uh, and um, if you're a really big fan of any of these four bands, and you definitely should be, by the way, you might want to stay tuned to Metal Hammer Socials because we might have some very special bundle additions uh, involving all of these bands that will be... Um, releasing as the weeks go on. So stay tuned for more on that. Um, there's obviously one big thing that we need to talk about on this week's podcast, and it was a devastating start to the year for the metal industry. Uh, and that was the earlier in the week, we found out that Alexi Leho, uh, the iconic frontman of Children of Bottom, uh, has died at the age of 41. Uh, he died some point uh, in December, it's believed, uh, the end of last year. We don't know exactly when that was. Um, we're not sure what the exact details of all that are right now, so we're not going to kind of dig into all that. But this is a huge, huge loss to the metal scene. And uh, we're all kind of saying on Monday when we found out just how shocked we were, weren't we? All? Yeah, it was literally we just got back into the quote unquote office on Monday morning, opened our emails and the label had sent around an email to everybody saying that he would passed away. And it's just a huge shock. Um, sadly, he was 41 um i always just had him in my mind as just somebody who exists in the metal world and will just kind of always be there because he's made such a mark and is such a showman and you just kind of expect to see you know, expect to see his name you expect to see his playing um although the band broke up fairly recently um you know he had a new band that was now active um and I just thought there'd be more from him. I thought we'd be hearing, um, you know, what he was doing next uh, with Bottom After Midnight and he'd just be around the scene and it's a huge shock. And I think to many, many people in our world, they've grown up with him and um, it's just incredibly sad. Yeah, it really is. Um, 41, of course, is just no age at all. Um, and I think... You only need, to, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a strange one when the metal scene loses a big name because, you know, Children of Bottom had been through maybe a bit of a strange few years or so. As you said, they kind of broke up. There seemed to be some kind of implosion in 2019 and there was some issue with naming rights and the band split and Alexi was continuing um, with a kind of new chapter, which, as you said, I was Bottom After Midnight. Um, but I think you only need to look at the reaction to Alexi's passing to see just what a big deal he has been to the metal scene over the last 20 years. Um, I mean, he was a huge personality. I mean, he was famously called the wild child because of his uh, 
absolute love of just being a complete shameless hellraiser got up to all kinds of shenanigans all sorts of chaos and just madness uh, seemed to follow him around whenever he was out in whatever town that he chose to be in um but beyond all that it was just what an incredible incredible player he was uh, when you look at the i guess it's kind of the melodic death metal scene you'd most closely associate children of Bowden with um he brought a kind of sense of virtuosity and technicality and musicianship to that scene not quite like anything we'd seen there before um i, I saw someone uh, refer to him as the eddie van halen of death metal and i think that's such a great way to describe it because he was so such a big personality his style of playing was so flamboyant um and uh, we've seen a lot of young guitarists talking about his influence on them on social media i know we saw serena from svalbard was one that came to mind she was talking about what a huge influence his playing was on her um so he was just a he was a titanic presence as a personality but he was such an influential player as well i mean one of the big kind of guitar personalities in metal in the 21st century um he actually got awarded the dimebag daryl shredder award at the 2008 melt golden gods um and uh yeah his loss is just just still something which we can't quite come to terms with i think um yeah i think it was the comment about him being like the eddie van halen of the metal world i think that was actually jeremy saffer who's one of our photographers which is a really neat summation i think of how many people felt and there have been loads of tributes online from people in our world from amon amarth dave mustaine trivium zach wilde herman lee mark morton sebastian back he was just um he did so many kind of collaborations and was around on the scene so much as well. The band did a covers album at one point and I found an old interview with him and it was all about kind of that stage and covering these bands that he thought were, you know, his heroes. I asked him about covering Slayer and he said that he hopes Kerry King never hears his cover because Slayer is such a great band and so amazing that he just couldn't possibly <laughs> stomach the idea of him hearing them. So, you know, he was really modest about his playing and he really loved the metal greats and he had his own place in this world um you know people saw him in the same way that he saw Kerry King mm-hmm. um, it's yeah it's a huge loss definitely no they, they really did I think I, I wonder if he even realized just how kind of highly people thought of him and what a huge inspiration he was um I mean when you look at kind of the the shape of his career he formed Children of Bodom um, although they kind of changed names and would become the Jonah Bowden that we we would later knew a little bit later, he formed the actual core of the band way back in 1993. So it's a better part of 30 years ago now. And um, the debut album, Something Wild, came out in 1997. Uh, and really it was kind of the little roll of albums after that where it kind of felt like, I guess, they got properly put on the map. Um, they put out Hate Breeder and Follow the Reaper in 99 and 2000. And then, I mean, for us, certainly, it's kind of like England-based metal fans it felt like hate crew death row was the real big breakthrough album for yeah, them. Totally. certainly where um where i think a lot of us started really hearing about this band and all the hype really started building from there um it was in that kind of i guess post new metal worlds where you had bands like kill switch coming through and arch enemy and in flames were starting to get a bit bigger and then children of bottom kind of suddenly sprung up right in the middle of all that as this kind of crazy widdly super catchy super virtuoso strain of melodic death metal and um instantly you just started seeing alexi leho everywhere like he was an instant personality in the metal scene once they broke to that level i think 
Yeah, around that time, it was so fun and so cool when Hate Crew Death Roll came out. And they had videos on music TV and everyone was talking about them. And he was just a really, really cool person that I think probably a lot of people aspired to be as well. Uh, writer Tom Dare has done a really good tribute for us on metalhammer.com. And he talks about the way that they just came in and wove all these different styles together. You had power metal, death metal, classical metal, and they just put them all together and made them really, really fun. It's a really nice piece. So if you want to read more about Alexi, definitely go online and have a look at that. Yeah, definitely do that. I think it was Needle 24-7, wasn't it, off Hate Crew Death Row that was getting all the airplay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, from there, kind of, I guess that album kind of sparked what would be a really big kind of, I, I guess, kind of like big decade or so for them, where it felt like they were maybe at their biggest in terms of certainly their, the way they kind of got coverage here in the UK. Um, obviously, Are You Dead Yet was another massive album. The title track off that has become one of their all-time Hallmark albums. Um I've got a real big soft spot for Blood Drunk as well, which was one that came out in 2008 because that was the album they'd released that I remember kind of engaging with the most. Uh, I think that was when I actually interviewed Alexi as well. I interviewed him for a, um, a website I was working for at the time called Soundshock. Uh, and uh, he, I just remember him being this really kind of like frantic ball of energy, ball of kind of nervous energy, like really friendly, really nice dude. But he was just like constantly animated, constantly engaged with, everything that was going on um and yeah it was during that blood drunk era where they won the uh the, where alexi got given the shredder award at the golden gods as well so it was a really big era for them they had a couple of metal hammer covers in that time as well i know alexi appeared on a couple of other golden gods covers in that era too and um, so i feel like that kind of 2003 to 2010 kind of era was when children of Bowden really reached critical mass in terms of their wider coverage um but they had a really you know significant career well beyond that they released four more albums after blood drunk uh relentless reckless forever halo of blood i worship chaos and hex um hex came out in 2019 so it was the most recent cheer on the bonum album uh, and then of course um it all kind of seemed to just fall apart a bit in 2019 and the naming rights issue meant alexi couldn't continue under the bonum name so him and daniel from the band continued with bonum after midnight and you know, we were expecting new music from that. They made their live debut late last year. So we, you know, we, as Al said, it looked like there was a real future for Alexi and, and his next chapter. And it's just such a shame that we'll never kind of get to see that fulfilled now. Yeah, um, I wonder if there's music already around that maybe they'll think about bringing out um, in time. You know, obviously that's happened with other people who have passed away. Sometimes other people involved in the projects Um pick up the material and piece it together and release it in tribute to them so i guess we'll see whether that happens or not definitely um hopefully we do get to hear that because uh you know if, he was such a fantastic and unique player i'd love to be able to hear something more from him if possible um, but in the meantime if you haven't really <coughs> excuse me engaged with children of Bowden before go check out some of their albums definitely go check out uh, hate crew death roll if you just want to check out a couple of tracks definitely listen to needle 24 7 that was a huge song for them as i said are you, are you dead yet a massive song um i'm very uh partial to the blood drunk album as well um if you want some more stuff to listen to beyond that uh, and they do have a ton of ridiculous cover songs that they recorded over the years as well some better than others a whole, but album. Really... A whole album mel yeah skeletons in the closet um but uh yeah there's some i mean they've got everything from andrew yeah like andrew wk to i think britney spears and god knows what else so 
Um, yeah, really kind of sum up the sense of chaos and fun and just unique um, style that Bowden brought to everything. Uh, and as El said, definitely go and read Tom Dare's excellent tribute to Alexi over on the Mount Hammer website now. And um, we're going to be running a big tribute uh, to Alexi in the magazine next month as well. So that'll be on sale in uh, February now. So we'll have plenty more to say on Alexi before all is said and done. But yeah, in the meantime, um, rest in power, Alexi Leho, for sure. Um, in uh, hopefully much more positive news, depending on how things all turn out, it looks like uh, Event Sevenfold have been slowly but surely working on the new album, L. What's, <laughs> What's going on there? Don't know. I think, like, I get the idea they just enjoy chilling out at home. They don't live too far from each other. They have nice houses and families and probably just like hanging out and doing their thing. So I'm guessing they've just kind of worked on this record in bits and pieces, probably in quite a fun way, I'd imagine. It doesn't seem like they've got a lot of pressure on them. Um, they're not having to follow up a flop or anything like that. So hopefully it's been a good space for them to create and do something exciting. And I think we saw with the stage, which was much more progressive and expansive, and obviously it had a surprise release. Uh, yeah, I think we saw there that they're kind of willing to keep pushing forwards and keep um, changing the direction of the band because the band today sound nothing like when they started out. They've really kind of grown up and matured. And I think along the way, you know, there've been times when they've sort of tried to copy the classic metal stuff, and <laughs> you know, but I think the stage was really like, it really took me aback because it just felt like completely different. Mm. And um, with this record, they've said it's going to be in a completely new direction. And I just don't know what it's going to sound like because I don't know where they're going to go next. You know, they had Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> on the last track exist of the previous album and he would have thought that you know 15 years ago or something yeah i, I wonder i wonder what it will be that's what excites me the most about events that they are one of the only bands out there at their size where i just think i literally have no idea what the fuck this album's going to sound like and no. it, it, it amazes me that there are people in the metal scene that write avenged off as some kind of like basic metal bands do you know what i mean like you look at bands like Five Finger Death Punch and all those kind of bands and you kind of think, well, you know, they do what they do very well, but it's very kind of, it is what it is and they do it great and that's fine and it's not likely to evolve significantly anytime soon. I mean, Avenged, when you look at what they did from Nightmare to, yeah, like what you said, suddenly went like full-on old-school heavy metal stadium rock for Hell to the King and then just did a total 180 and went like kind of epic prog metal for the stage. It's just, they, they do whatever the fuck they want and it always seems to work. Um, I wasn't mad on Hail to the King when it came out, but I feel like time has been quite kind to that album now. That was actually that... my favourite one. Is it? Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, the whole the whole record. Yeah, I think before there were times before that where I liked some individual songs, but in terms of albums, I kind of just wasn't really that bothered, which I know I've said to you before and you've just been horrified by, but I wasn't <laughs> some kind of like diehard Avenged Sevenfold fan. I was a bit like, oh, I think they sound a bit weak. I just like the singles, basically. And then they did Hail to the King. And I was like, I can get on board with this. There's something behind it. There's kind of more intention. And I just felt like it, it was more grown up. But I think with the stage, it felt like they were developing something that was more of their own, which was why it was so interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, um, Hail to the King isn't my favourite, but I, I, I mean, the title track's one of my favourite event songs now. I absolutely love it. It's, it's become like a kind of, 
hallmark anthem for them. And the stage was just an amazing era. I mean, the stage show that they brought with it was so fascinating. I love the kind of conceptually heavy aspect of it. Really just kind of like, it's just so strange that Avenged Sevenfold went from these kind of like rowdy, like snidey kind of frat metal boys to being like, but why are we here? You know yeah, I mean? <laughs> totally. Totally that, yeah. Who would have thought that? I mean, I think that played part of the reason why. It played into why I didn't really like them in the first place, I think, just because I was like, oh, why are they a bunch of twats? And yeah. I don't think that about them now. And, you know, I'm sure they, they would say themselves and they have said themselves that they've grown up a lot since then. And it's different times. And I, I can't predict this. I literally can't predict it. I hope they do something insane. I hope they have like an insane concept or write a song that goes on for half an hour or have like a really left field guest star. I'll be disappointed if it's run of the mill. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Shadow's had an interview with Kerrang this week and he kind of said, um, he said it's very over the top and it's very eclectic and wild. And the thing is like a lot of bands, that's, that's something that literally any band could say. Like Metallica could say that, Maiden could say that whoever could say that and you just kind of go well okay let's see what actually happens but when it comes to event sevenfold i believe it i believe that they will just go as nuts as they feel like going um and yeah it really excites me but obviously because of the pandemic the actual process has been slowed down quite a lot they're not rushing it they want to put it out when they can actually tour and that suits me fine because i think one thing events have really successfully gravitated towards in the last kind of three or four albums is when you have a new event sevenfold album, you know, there's going to be a whole new stage show concept to go with it. And uh, I definitely want to see that. Um, speaking of stuff that I would want to see, but I didn't think I'd be saying this. <laughs> uh, did you see this post Malone thing? Yeah. After you mentioned it, I went and I checked it out. I haven't seen the entire show, but I've seen him. I mean, do you want to explain what it is? Yeah, go on then. Uh, so, <laughs> so post Malone, if, if people don't know who post Malone is, he's, probably the biggest rapper of the last five years definitely the biggest rapper of the last five years i think people um, might know who he is even if they don't know who they know who he is he's the guy who's got tattoos all over his face looks yeah. like they drew him in with a marker but not that one not the other one yeah that one <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. good point actually good point but um yeah he's uh so yeah obviously he's kind of part of the old i guess they call it like mumble rap thing um which i'm not a big fan of personally um but Posty continues to to show off his kind of rock and metal credentials. So we saw him do a quite frankly brilliant Nirvana cover set um, streamed live last year. And then on New Year's Eve, he played a live stream show from Las Vegas where um, after jamming through Rooster by Alice in Chains, he got up Slash, uh, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Chris Chaney from um, uh, Jane's Addiction and Andrew Watt, who's the guitarist slash producer that has worked with Post Malone and Ozzy Osbourne amongst others so he got all these guys up on stage with him and they jammed through a 10 minute version of war pigs by black sabbath and it was really good it was actually really good um and it's just got to the point now where i'm kind of like well this dude has done all these cover songs he's he's actually collaborated with ozzy a couple of times like sometimes mainstream artists do this maybe it's not fair to call a hip-hop artist a mainstream artist but, but like sometimes mainstream artists delve into kind of metal imagery or metal you know shenanigans we saw i think was it doja cat who did it a few weeks ago on that awards show shenanigans. yeah they dip a toe in the water to seem edgy most of the time don't they you know i'll put a t-shirt on i'll do a cover version i'll wear some 
like nail varnish. But you know, if it's, I think we said really last year, if it's done with good intentions, then why not? But it's not, you don't always feel like it's from somebody's heart. Yeah, agreed. And, but with this whole shtick, I really get the sense that Post Malone is a big fan of all these artists. Um, you know, I mean, I know Alison Chains and Black Sabbath are huge bands, but these aren't songs you just kind of pick out at random and just do for a bit of a laugh. Do you know what I mean? I was really sceptical. I haven't seen the big Warpigs jam, but I watched him play Rooster and I love Alice in Chains and I love Rooster. And I was just like, I'm going to hate this. This is going to be horrible. I don't want to watch this. It's going to ruin it for me. Fuck off. But then I watched it and they did it so well. You can't really criticize it. You can tell that the, it's obviously been done with good intentions. I just thought it was really good. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I just think it's really interesting that, um, you know, we're seeing between this and like Miley Cyrus, who again, I, I imagine not everyone listening to this podcast is a huge fucking Miley Cyrus fan, but I think she's pretty cool. I think that last album she did was actually really good. Um, we're seeing these artists in the mainstream kind of bring, uh, and sorry, I referenced Miley because she, um, uh, she was talking about Metallica in the press recently, wasn't she? But we're seeing these artists bring in uh, kind of references to to metal and bring metal into the mainstream in a way that actual metal hasn't really been doing a lot over the last 20 years. So it's creating a really interesting dynamic. Um, and it's kind of reminding me a little bit of that era we've talked about before, where in the 90s and early 2000s, you kind of get all these different worlds colliding at things like the MTV Awards and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's got that kind of vibe around there at the moment. And it's just, I don't know, I think it's really cool. And if it makes a ton of um, people who maybe hadn't engaged with Black Sabbath before going and engaged with Black Sabbath, that is cool with me. So well done, Post Malone. In he's like 25 as well. Um, and obviously the 90s have been like cool for a while now in mainstream culture. But I don't know, like growing up, I think there was more of a sense around like my generation or maybe our generation that older things weren't cool. Like if somebody had said to me, listen to this thing from the 60s, I'd be like, no. But somehow, you know, it's a younger generation who are really into this and like you said could maybe bring other people in as well and then once as we know once you get into a few bands in rock and metal it opens up a whole new world of stuff it does it there's definitely uh, i mean you know kids these days ironically <laughs> i mean yeah he's 25 it's not like he's a child but well he is compared to me um but uh <laughs> <laughs> no i was gonna say kids these days get a get a really hard time of it like you know people give well women millennials aren't we was it gen x um well yeah we're millennials and then it's gen x and it's gen z or z fuck. i guess fuck i'm old no, wait sorry yeah. gen x is above us then we're millennials then it's gen z gen z yeah so gen z gets such a hard time from people but i think like when you look at people's listening habits now and the way People can consume music. I was saying the other day, I feel like there's more. I feel like if I look around me and, and kind of the general vibe around music in 2021, first time I've said that, it's weird. Um, <laughs> I feel, you know, I feel like there's more people banging on about Fleetwood Mac now than there were 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just I feel like. Exactly what you mean. It feels like there's a reverence and an interest in those bands. And that's kind of what I was getting at. I think I was a bit off with my maths when I said the 60s because you know, Post Malone, like I said, is 25, but even like the stuff from the 80s and 90s when I was younger, some of that I was just like, it sounds old, I don't care, I want something new. Mm -hmm. And I think now it's just different, people can access music and 
they think that stuff is cool and it is cool like i think you know hopefully i've grown out of that thing of old is bad but yeah. it's nice that this generation don't seem to have that as much or at least some of these high profile figures don't have that as much definitely snobbery sucks whichever way around <laughs> snobbery towards new music is lame and snobbery towards old music is lame um, which is why, if you like both of those things, you should pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer because you can read a great 80s feature on Iron Maiden and then read about some of the most exciting young bands in the scene right now. It's all good. Embrace music. What did you just say right now? Right now. It sounds like Alan Partridge. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably where I picked it up from, but I, you know, <laughs> without any sarcasm. So there we go. Um, let's. Let's talk about 2021, shall we? I thought it might be fun to kind of... You said it uh, again. 2021. 2021. I can't believe it. We're here now. Good. 2020 is dead. Fuck it. Um, yeah, let's talk about 2021. Let's. I thought it might be fun to just talk about a couple of things we're excited about and maybe put our necks and our careers and our reputations on the line <laughs> by making some bold predictions for what's going to happen <laughs> over the next 12 months. I mean, if we'd done this last year... Could you imagine we'd be just way off anything? We kind of did. That's the, the funny thing. I mean, if you look at the issue, the New Year's issue that came out last year, we asked everybody for their 2020 predictions and everyone was like, oh, yeah, this album's going to be cool. This gig's going to be cool. And then you get three months in and none of those things are... Um, yeah. That's true, actually. I remember that we had that one question, didn't we, with a, with all our cover stars last year, where it was like, what's going to define the world in 2020? And no one picked the right answer, weirdly. It was weird. Yeah, everyone just picked like albums and things. Like, you know. But we're going to go for it. We're going to stay PMA. I know that it's hard. We're back in another lockdown here in the UK and times are very difficult at the moment, but we will keep moving forwards. There will be light at the end of the tunnel. You know, vaccinations are happening and stuff. So there is uh, there is positive momentum. Um, so let's do it. We've just got. Yeah. Yeah. 2021. Uh, let's just pick some random kind of categories. Um, L, what do you think is going to be the most important album of 2021 as far as the metal scene is concerned? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, we actually have kind of talked about some of the albums that we think are going to be big in the new issue. And probably the most significant ones for me are Gajira and Mastodon. So, um, I think Mastodon are following up The Pale Emperor which was massive. We gave them a cover on that album and it was really heavy and emotional. And there was obviously a lot about, um, they'd had family members who'd had cancer and they'd done this big metaphor around this emperor of sand in the desert and processed all their emotions that way. And judging by conversations with them recently, the new album is probably also going to be quite heavy as well. So um, I, I think we might have to brace a little bit for that, but Mastodon is so brilliant at the way they handle these metaphors and the, the musicians they are and the chemistry they have that I think it's going to be something really special and you know we were just saying about Avenged Sevenfold you can't really predict what things sound like and I think with Mastodon you know what it's going to sound like but it always I don't know for me anyway it is always better than what you think it's going to be it always kind of impresses you even more even though you knew they were capable of really good stuff um it's a difficult question the most important um I think the other one that I would say in terms of importance <clears throat> is probably the Gajira album because again for me personally I'm really excited about that but I just wonder what they're going to have to say about 
the planet society where we find ourselves in 2021. If you look at the single they put out where they were in the spaceship and they were talking about leaving the planet behind and finding another world, you know, it just really um, continued the thread of environmental and social concern. They're not just some kind of like dumb-headed bro metal band. They're sensitive types from France. It was really, really... Stupid old Gazira. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just, you know, sensitive types from France who can be really, really, really heavy at the same time. And they've got a really distinct character as a band. So I think Gajira and Mastodon are going to be really heavy emotionally and musically. And they could be pretty important in what they have to say about the human condition slash the world. So I think they'd be my front runners for most important, but you never know what's going to come out of like the sidelines. True. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I was going to say pick just one, but I think it's probably a bit too nebulous a category for that. But yeah, I think those are good shouts. Um, Gajira is kind of, it's kind of hard to look past them. Um, for me, it, the most important album is Ghost because uh, I just can't see past them. I know there's other there's other kind of bands out there which we'll talk about because Jira is one of them, but I can't see past Ghost as being the biggest, um, the band from the metal scene with the biggest potential to truly actually cross over and break in a real meaningful mainstream way. Um, I just don't think there's anyone else that it's, there's other bands that have it, absolutely, but in terms of, I'm talking about proper mainstream radio play, smashing through that kind of mainstream glass ceiling thing. Um, to me, it's Ghost all day long. And I, that's probably my main answer for the next question. Which I didn't is... want to pick Ghost because I knew that you would pick them because you're literally obsessed with them. I'm predictable. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they again, they've grown so big. Where are they going to go next? Yeah, Bigger, I'm... more theatrical. I just think, um, you know, download headline on this next album cycle. I think that's in their sights. I really do. Um, so, yeah, it's a big album. No pressure, Tobias. Um, and, yeah, that will probably be my answer for the next thing, which is which album are we most excited for personally? So Ghost is probably my number one because I, I do absolutely love them. Um, but I'm also going to pick one of our cover stars. I might be a bit biased because I, I wrote the feature. Um, but I am really excited about Tim Temple's next album. It will come at some point next year. Next year, Zachary drops some quite tantalising hints about how it's going to sound in the interview as well, which you can read right now uh, in a new issue. Um, and I just I love this band. I think they've got so much potential. And I I I talk to, I talk about them immediately after Ghost because I just see them following the same kind of thing of just having a really great. Uh, concepts and just expanding it and evolving it and just taking it to whole new places so i'm really excited about um where twin temple go next as well what are you personally most excited about oh, i guess because year is quite high for you you're a mastodon <laughs> but you know them aside another one of our cover stars i promise we didn't plan this alien weaponry because like i said earlier they're a young band and they're still up and coming the last record was brilliant it had a hacker in there it had chanting it had groove it had hooks it sounded brilliant live and now they're writing their follow-up album and 
because they are so young they've got so much potential to develop personally and musically and I think they're going through some of that development at the moment especially having toured all around the world now and playing with some high profile bands I know that their musicianship showmanship everything will have kicked up even more and you know they've said as much in our cover feature that you know they're better at their instruments now they know more what they're doing now and I think this next record is going to be another really important step for them so I'm really excited about that yeah hard agree on all of that as well very finely put um which in big brackets potential gig are we most (laughs) excited about I thought we could kind of pick ones that we either would like to go to or ones that we are kind of scheduled to happen hopefully fingers crossed and all that jazz I have tickets for two big ones that I'd love to happen and if they don't happen this year hopefully they'll get rescheduled again and that is Ramstein in June and Pearl Jam in July two mega gigs which would be brilliant the Ramstein set I've obviously already seen but I would see that every day of the week and <laughs> on, you'd, be a bit, you'd be a bit tired by like day five <laughs> No, it'd be fine. It's really cold outside at the moment as well. And there'd be loads of pyro and I'd just be like, probably by day five, I'd just be like lying down and enjoying it and just getting warmed by the fire and just being like, yeah, Ramstein. I'd be fine. I once saw ex-Japan do a three-hour set for three days in a row. So I'm hardcore. But yeah. um, Me, nine hours. Yeah. (laughs) Three-hour sets. But yeah, Ramstein for sure. And then Pearl Jam, last time they came to the UK, they had to reschedule because of complications with Eddie's voice. And I was out of the country on their rescheduled date during some kind of press trip for Hammer, but I can't remember who. So I'm overdue a Pearl Jam fix. So I would like that to happen at some point. Those, yeah, I mean, two of the best live bands in the world. Um, I mean, I've still got my ticket for Iron Maiden in Barcelona. Which was supposed to be last year. So excited about that! No, and I was going with all my friends, and it was the first time we'd have all I'd have gone to see Maiden with all my mates from home. Um, I, I I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what will happen now. Two of them are having a baby, so I don't know if we'll have a baby with us. Another, I don't know what's going to go. In fact, no, two two of the couples. I don't know. There's been a lot of babies in my sphere in lockdown, as I'm sure is true for many people. So (laughs) who knows what will happen? But um, uh, hopefully that can still happen. But um. I was thinking if there's one band I can see uh, next this year um, above anyone else, I've decided I think it will be Killswitch Engage. Um, I know they're scheduled to play Download, um, but I can't think of another band that kind of sum up that mixture of just pure energy and emotion and just in capturing everything that I love about a metal gig. Um, that's the band that I want to see the most this year, I think. I feel like if they played... Like next time they play, you're just going to sort of be so overwhelmed. You'll just melt into a little puddle on the floor. I will be crying buckets. The next time I can, you know, sing along to Last Serenade or something. Oh, I get emotional just thinking about it. Can't <laughs> it. Um, which young band, Eleanor Goodman, is going to make the biggest moves in 2021? This is where we have to start really planting our flags in the sand, I think. I'm just going to say the same thing I've said for like the last 10 podcasts. Can you guess? No, actually. Yeah, you can. Go on. Spirit Box. Oh, of course. 100% Spirit Box. Uh, I've already said, I've watched all their videos on YouTube, listened to all their songs. They're releasing a debut album next year. 
Merle is sharing me, oh, on the, we have a cover line on the latest issue that talks about them being a breakout band. Totally forgotten that entire issue since Christmas. But yeah, we've got spirit, we've got a little section about Spirit Box in the new issue, so go and pick that up. Um, and yeah, they just really got it together. Um, they know what they're doing. They sound brilliant, modern. Uh, yeah. yeah, cool merch. Got their own coffee brand. <laughs> it's always a good fun for Breaking Bad. Did a video based on Midsummer, which I still haven't watched because I need to find someone to watch it with because I'm too scared to watch horror movies by myself. And now we're in lockdown. I don't have anyone to watch it with. So it's horror of the 21st century. What did you say? <laughs> It's the greatest horror of the 21st century. Midsummer. I fucking adore that film. He said it in a weird song, so I just couldn't quite work it out. It's but fine. yeah, I'm desperate to watch it because um, it's a bit like Pagany and Wicker Money, isn't it? And yes, very, very Wicker Money. Yeah, and when I was a kid, I was in these like church parades that seem a bit like that, and that was slightly weird. So I kind yeah. of want to see Midsummer and see what's going on and. Um, but yeah, I'm not good with horror movies. I call them two-person watches, and I need another person to watch with. <laughs> I mean, I think you, I, uh, yeah, Midsummer, Midsummer's mostly not scary. It's just tense, and it's just, but it's so beautiful. Anyway, that's for another conversation. Uh, yeah. I'm excited about them. I just think they're going to do great things, and they're doing all the right stuff. They make me really excited when I listen to the music. I just think this is brilliant. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good shout. Um, I'm going to go with one of our cover stars, not just because they're on the cover, but it's more like this is why we're putting them on the cover. Uh, I'm going with The Who. Um, they just seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the fact that they finished 2020 with a shout out from Metallica, like because obviously they did the Sad But True cover, Metallica actually posted it. Um, and that is just, if you're on Metallica's radar, that is a huge, huge sign. And as I said, uh, at the start of the podcast, they have literally hundreds of millions of streams across Spotify and YouTube and everything else. Um, so they are really becoming a big deal. And I think when they release what I presume will be the new album this year, um, that's really going to elevate them. And I can honestly see them becoming a quite phenomenal success story, uh, unlike anything we might have even seen in the metal scene before when you consider where they've come from and what they do. Um so yeah, fuck it. I'm back in the Who very, very hard. So I also back the Who. Hooray! <laughs> They've had a record out though, so at some point we're going to see record number two. Exactly. Don't know when, exactly. Uh, if you had to pick one band that's going to define 2021, L, who would it be? And obviously, you can name someone we've already said. I literally don't know. I- <laughs> so unpredictable um i mean you mentioned ghost and i was thinking it could be ghost because they have the potential to just do something insane like some kind of insane costume some kind of insane story some kind of insane like i'd love to see i don't know i mean they do kind of their youtube teasers and their videos and all the kind of stuff but you wouldn't know how far they could push it um in terms of kind of leaving a trail of breadcrumbs, you know, like what could they do online? What merchandise could they produce? How how will they tell the ghost story next? So I kind of think they could in that sense. But I guess it kind of comes back to that first question of what's the most important album because I totally agree with you on the ghost front about that band, but it is all very 
theatrical, whereas I do think bands like Gajira and Mastodon, it's going to be more based on real human emotion that has come from them. I'm not saying ghosts don't have any of that, but it's more of, uh, there's more of a sense of play acting, you know, whereas Gajira and Mastodon is kind of almost like therapy for them. It's the real stuff coming out and um, they could, again, they could come out with something that really kind of captures the zeitgeist of what people go through at a time when people are going through a lot. Um, So those three, and then there just could be surprises, you know, we've said, what if Iron Maiden dropped something, you know, Metallica Mm. have been very active during the lockdowns. What if Metallica do something? There's still potential for these bands who are bigger and have resource to just come out and do something big. Um, And I would never count them out. So I don't know. It's a very hard question, Mel. I don't like that you asked it. Well, that's my job. I'm a journalist. Deal with it. Um, I'm interviewing me. I hate you. You're not my dad. Go away. Uh, leave you alone. Uh, yeah, I didn't. We haven't even really talked about Maiden apart from the gig. Um, well, I thought you would talk about them at some point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess because we just don't quite know what they're up to, but we know that Bruce has dropped some kind of hints about stuff that's going on somewhere. Um, and I just, for me, purely, it's kind of. It's just a numbers game. Like it's been six, six years. Yeah, six years this year since Book of Souls. That is the longest Maiden have ever gone without releasing a new studio album. So, you know, at some point it's going to drop. And assuming that the world starts to reach some kind of normality by the autumn, it just seems like that will be um, a perfect opportunity for them to release new records. Obviously, a lot of that is going to depend on, I presume, if they can do the Legacy of the Beast tour because they really want to finish that tour off and if Europe's not in a place to do that by the summer maybe that will delay stuff again but I mean obviously if I made them release a new album that's going to be the biggest metal story of 2021 um, but because we're not quite so sure about that one uh, in terms of the band that's going to define them uh, I'm going to go with Avenged just because I feel like they're so unpredictable um, their concepts are always so huge now uh, you just can't kind of move for Avenged. You can't move for Avenged when they decide to put a new record out. And I think they could really kind of shape uh, metal on the grand stage in 2021. So I feel like even though Ghost for me is the most important album because it's vital that we find more bands that can continue making those big step ups. Um, you know, if Avenged are releasing an album, that's going to be massive. So I'm going to. Not sure if they are releasing it, if they said they're going to wait till they can tour it, it just seems like I d- we just won't know, will we? We won't know until the year progresses, I guess. Very good point. Well, I'm going to be confident and PMA and stick my neck out and say Avenged Sevenfolds to find in 2021. Uh, but we'll have to wait. They did do stuff when they released the stage. They had a show where people had VR headsets on and watched it, didn't they? Although I think they were in the same building as the gig. I kind of think. Obviously, they've said they want to play it live and stuff, but there are other ways of playing things live nowadays as well. So maybe they would do something like that, but I I have no idea. To be honest, from what Shadows has said, I think they're they're talking in fairly business terms with that one. Like, it's not going to make sense for them to kick an album out that they can't then support um, Mm. and kind of, you know, tour and make the best out of. So I think they're kind of, I think that's a business decision as much as that creative one which is pretty understandable really and finally this is where you just get to make a wild prediction for the year ahead what's going to be the biggest surprise of 2021 Mm, how wild are we talking 
Well, I'll give you mine as an example. I am backing that 2021 is finally going to be the year where we get to hear Stampede of the Disco Elephants. I'm calling oh, it. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably wrong, but I'm keeping the faith. Fred will finally get his shit together and we'll finally get a new Limp Bizkit album in 2021. Come on, I've only been saying it for 10 years now. I'm going to go with Ramstein album. Ooh, good one. I said they're in the studio and it probably won't happen. But I, again, like I said, I'm sad that that gig might not happen. Maybe they'll just write a new record and they'll just come out with a whole new show next year or something. That would be cool. I mean, probably not very financially viable if they can get another year of touring out of their current album and show why would they do another one but at least maybe if they wrote it and released it in the future or something i don't know ramstein just gonna say that i like it i would love 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 to see that because that last ramstein album was so good uh let's go on to some reader questions now happy happy new year to all the lovely people on our facebook reader group facebook.com slash metal hammer readers if you want to come and join the party um ben wilmot asks two of the bigger releases in 2021 hopefully a ghost and gajira what do you expect from both those bands in terms of sound development and could you see gajira getting into arenas if they embrace groove even more than on magma so what kind of expectations do we have we've talked about both these bands a little bit already um i guess the yeah. main gajira can do we think gajira have the capacity to make that step up into arenas I wonder if they'll do something like other bands have where they do a single arena show. Like I think bands, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Architects did that, didn't they? And some other bands have done it where Parkway as well. like normal tours, but they'll have one show at like, like Wembley Arena or something because they know that fans will want to kind of go and see that show and they can fill it if they just do one date. Yeah. Um, and I kind of think it's quite a good stepping stone as well because it's sort of testing the waters about ticket sales. It's a prestige show. Bands can record them and release them. There's, you know, there's kind of financial, financially sound reasons for doing that. And I think bands re in recent years have kind of, I'm trying to think of who else has done it. Definitely other people. Um, it's, I think it's a good way of like easing into it. It's not suddenly like here's an arena tour. I think certainly in the UK, it's quite difficult with the venues we've got left now, because we've got somewhere like Brixton that's 5,000 people. And after that is kind of a jump. I think Wembley is something like... About 10,000. 10,000, yeah. And so, and Alexandra Palace is like, what, more than you think. Can't remember how many now. But yeah. 8,000? I can't remember. I, at one point, I could recite all these off by heart, but um, 2020's killed my brain cells. But yeah, it's quite hard when you're trying to, these are just London venues, obviously there's other venues around the country, but it's it's hard to kind of do the next step. And I think Gajira doing Brixton on the last tour, they'd really pulled out all the stops to make it an amazing show. They had this incredible lighting set up. Unfortunately, that got um, interrupted by somebody spilling a pint on the lighting desk. But, you know, they came through that really well and it sounded massive. And again, they had that intention behind them, which was very powerful. And it, there was a feeling at that gig. There was a real special feeling. So I think they can do bigger than Brixton, but it's just a matter of building that in a in a way that makes sense. And I'm not sure you can go straight from there to an arena tour, but I think you could go from there on a new album to an arena show. So that would be my prediction. Definitely. Uh, our research team, 
um, Google, uh, just <laughs> told me that uh, I think Wembley's actually 12,500. Apparently, Ali Pali is over 10,000. Yeah, yeah, they sound right. That's crazy. Uh, so yeah, big um, big ask definitely for Gajira. But I mean, stranger things have definitely happened. Um, I mean, we've just been talking about Ramstein. It there's no, it makes no sense at all that a German-speaking band who make industrial metal can do stadium tours around the world. But here we are. So stranger things have happened. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Mark Baker says, "What New Year's resolution have you broken already?" Is January sick? I made a resolution not to make any resolutions. Well, you broke it by so you you well, you just blow my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that is. Resolutionception. <laughs> it's like, did you break your resolution by making it? I don't know. Or maybe I broke it and didn't break it at the same time. <laughs> time and space. Um, I I actually didn't make a resolution either. Quite boring of me. Uh, but did I you make a resolution not to make a resolution, or did you just not make one? I just didn't really make one. Well, I just kind of said, you know, I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves. And I think this whole kind of thing of like, I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to be this this year. And then kind of feeling bad if you don't do that. I just think being kind to yourself and trying not to be a dickhead are two solid approaches to life. So just That's what I think too. And I think like in the, I mean, I don't really like New Year. I'm not like a New Year's Eve person. That's not my favourite holiday. My favourite holiday is like Halloween or Christmas. Easter, Easter for the chocolate. But not really into new year um yeah and I, I don't really like the whole kind of change everything right now in january i'd rather change as i go along and i've definitely tried to do resolutions before and invariably made like 10 or 20 resolutions and then not done any of them and then just felt rubbish or like got really run down trying to keep up to some false standard so that's a boring answer but that's why i made a resolution to not make a resolution well that is uh, very fair and reasonable and i agree with most of that sentiment. So just be good to yourselves out there. If you've made resolutions, cool. Best of luck to you. If you haven't, then that's okay as well. Just be nice. And if you don't like New Year like me, just think about three months' time when you can eat loads of chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Or even better, in nine months' time when it's Halloween. Come on! Yeah. I've still got some Halloween sweets that I bought myself and haven't eaten. Ooh. And then also, if uh, if anyone's, you know, thinking of having kids, get to it. Because if you do it, you'll have a Halloween baby. Yeah. Such a good idea. <laughs> do it. Um, uh, do you want to do the next question? Sure. Uh, Brendan Crabb asks, which band will release the first great album of 2021? Ooh, well, not to not give away a huge spoiler. Oh, I can oh, hear him. It's inside your head. It's in your brain. No, I can hear myself. And I think it's weird. Oh, it stopped. It's fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> not, to give away, not to give away a huge spoiler, but um, if you read Joe Daly's brilliant review of the new Wardruna album, which is imminent, uh, I think that's quite a safe bet for the first great album of 2021. You can read his review in the new issue of Metal Metal right now. Um, when we were kind of thinking about bands to run with this new heavy concept for this new issue well Druna was definitely in the conversation they are a very exciting force as well and their new album is very special so I think that's kind of it's kind of it it's here basically the album it's not it's only a couple of weeks away from that I think I was gonna say the same thing I think they're sort of they've been around a bit longer than some of the other bands on our current run of covers and have really established themselves and done some brilliant stuff and this is the first record after 
a linked trilogy of records and it's just very cool. It's just, I think it's a quite a good record again for like these times and this kind of season. And it was really nice. Like when all of this shit kicked off, they released um, that single, which we covered in our lockdown issue um, about the healing mountain and the amazing video. If you've not seen it, go and Google that. Can the research team just find the name of the song, Merlin? There was well, their, their major song. The one about the healing mountain that they released. Oh, come the on. So uh, they had this amazing video with all the snare, and we did a whole, fe we did a feature on it. Leiferberg? Leiferberg, yeah. Go and look that up. Um, it's just incredible, like walking through the snow and they have this real kind of sense of um, music that you listen to when you want to be connected to yourself and everything around you and to nature and to sort of have that sort of feeling of um, oneness and universality and healing, which can be quite powerful given these found instruments and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's going to be a great record. Oh yeah, I should say as well. I just, I just kind of were quickly looking through my emails. Quick shout out to the Divide and Dissolve record, which is an awesome album from uh, two women who are. Um, we're going to do a thing on in an upcoming issue of Metal Hammer as well. I think that might be on sale next month. I think or the month after. Um, but we're doing something big with them soon. They're awesome uh, and really interesting characters. And um, yeah, the, the, this album they're about to put out is really special as well. But we haven't even mentioned the Architects album that's dropping next month. I was just about to mention that, Merlin. Oh, no, sorry. I went in your brain and did it first. <laughs> Get out of my head. <laughs> I was going to mention them and Tribulation have got a record coming up soon as well. And we were talking about Ghost earlier. If you saw Tribulation support Ghost on their arena tour, you um, might have enjoyed that. It was very good. So I think those two names have got records coming up soon obviously we've seen a few singles from architects seen at the royal albert hall so people know what direction they're going in and tribulation we will see i'm kind of sad because they announced that jonathan holton has left the group to do his solo stuff but i really love his solo work as well so i'm kind of conflicted i'd like to see more of that but it's a shame he's not going to be with them anymore because his performing was brilliant but yeah new chapter for them new record as well two good things to get excited about hell yeah absolutely i was about to say hard agree then and i've said that about eight times so stop saying it's things. your favorite phrase i know stop saying things i agree with um stop no hard agree <laughs> no ratigan soft disagree says no no ratigan asks how long do you think it will be before the announcement that summer festivals will be cancelled again and then he's added hashtag ne negative nancy hashtag debbie downer no, your name's Noel. You could have just gone with negative Noel. Nancy yeah, negative Noel. And also, can I just be that annoying person and say negative Nancy and Debbie Downer? It's not always women who are negative. Men can be negative too. That was the point that I was kind of not very well trying to make. <laughs> um, you know, negative Noel and Donald Downer. So just I'm going to be positive Penelope. Elated L. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not really, though, because. I think realistically festivals are going to have to start announcing cancellations at some point because it's at least in the UK anyway, it's looking like we might be in lockdown until March and then there's only three months until, well, 
some festivals are in April, aren't they? So there's not a huge amount of room between potentially coming out of lockdown and potentially festivals starting. I'm sure it's a really difficult time at the moment for people involved with these festivals who put a huge amount of energy and effort in in the last year of applying for funding, whether doing GoFundMe or applying through government schemes and wondering what the future is going to be like and putting all their energy into creating the best bills for 2021. It's going to be heartbreaking if people have to announce cancellations, but we're all living in this world at the moment with a lot of uncertainty from one day to the next, let alone weeks and months. So I don't think it's going to be too long until we see some start happen because people have to plan and all that. But I think, you know, as you said earlier, we're doing the vaccination program and potentially there's scope for stuff to happen later in the year. So I think everyone's going to have to play it by ear, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, it's not nice to have to think of any potential summer without festivals again. I mean, we've not heard anything on that front at all. So your guesses are as good as ours. But, um, you know, it's it's a very hard time for the live music industry at the moment. So much solidarity with everyone who's kind of, I guess, waiting with bated breath to find out what that's going to look like in the summer. Um, yeah, I guess it, it kind of will probably as with last year, I imagine it might be Glastonbury that kind of leads the way on that. Um, there's some rumours going around at the moment, which Emily Evis has kind of downplayed. But um, I, I, I imagine we'll be finding out from Glastonbury at some point whether that is potentially going ahead or not. And then I imagine that will kind of dictate a lot of the... Even though it's a very different situation, it's a much bigger festival. But Yeah, I was just going to say that. You never know because we just have no concept of what is logistically possible. I think that's the problem because Glastonbury is literally like going to a town or a city, whereas there might be smaller events later in the year that could happen based on a combination of testing and vaccination. It's just everything is so unknown at the moment. You know, when you look at recent events in the UK, like all the kids going to school for a day and then the next day being told the schools are closing, it's really hard to make any plans, which is probably why some, um, you know, events or gigs might have to kind of take that decision at some point because there's too much uncertainty and I think that's when people will you know when we'll start to hear things when people sort of make a decision because they can't you know they can't plan with the uncertainty anymore which is a shit situation to be in yeah that's a fair point yeah I mean I don't know shit about organizing festivals so no, I don't know anything at all I don't know anything at all about organizing festival or what the festivals are going to announce it's pure Thank speculation you. so fingers crossed if the vaccine rollout is successful and we get some fucking proper testing kind of just in regular exactly, rotation, yeah you never know what might happen you never know uh, do you want to take this final question from Andy Poole L it's a long question well I can do it if you want yeah it's all right <laughs> let me just take a deep breath Okay. <laughs> Andy Paul asks, since it feels like every step forward is two back, gigs seem a million miles away. Along with doing live streams, do bands need to be creative with album releases to try and keep things afloat since they get so little for song and album streams? An example being Tools Fear Inoculum CD release. So he's asking if bands need to do more with their releases to make more money, basically. And Tools Fear Inoculum CD release, if you didn't see that, it has an LCD screen um, in the CD release and it plays a visualisation. And I have one. Good. I am glad. <laughs> you are one I've not played since it came out. I should dig it out and have another look. Play it on your CD player. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
well yes and i think you know to be fair i think bands are trying to find different things to do not just with releases but with um you know we got to contemplate on the cover of course we've just been talking about them i've seen uh, they did like a fun little tape reissue and uh, not reissue like a tape cassette release of uh, a recent gig they did um obviously that's not the same as tool doing a massive multimedia album experiment but no uh, and they're really expensive as well the what I'm just talking over you, sorry. Theirs was really expensive. I think like Tool can do that. It was like 80 quid or something. Tool can do that because they're Tool and people will buy it. And it was their only, that was the only way you could buy the album. You could stream it, but if you wanted to buy it, you had to buy this CD. So it's really appealing to kind of older metal fans and Tool diehards. It is a little, as with all these things we discuss, it's more difficult when you have less money to begin with. You know, if you're a band like Metallica and you could do an amazing shiny live stream, if you're a band like Tool, you can do an amazing shiny CD, but if you've got less money, it's harder to do something that ironically makes more money, which plays out in the real world too. But not to be bleak, let's bring it back to creativity. What do you think, Merlin? What do you think bands should be doing that's creative? Well, I can't, you know, I can't dictate that to people doing that, that most of these artists are far more <laughs> creative and clever than I am. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I, I, I'm sure bands will be doing that, you know, it's very difficult because the best way for bands to make money off a release is by touring it. Um, you know, it used to be that a tour was a way to promote an album. Now it's more like an album is a way to keep going on tour. And so if you can't tour, you know, it's hard to kind of make up that income just by doing a clever, fancy album release. But uh, when you look at what bands like, we've talked about them loads, Trivium, Code Orange, just mentioned Tim Temple, Metallica as well, all the way down to bands like Palm Reader. We've seen Architects do it. Like we've seen all these bands innovating in different ways and trying new things. Um, so I'm sure that will continue to be something that uh, kind of opens up more in 2021, and hopefully will actually be something that will be a silver lining for bands in that they come up with new ways to make revenue, and that actually carries on beyond the pandemic. And you know they can they're able to do that. Um, it's interesting actually looking at the bands on the covers as well because Twin Temple, I know I've got some insane merchandise which you probably know more about than me. And Wardruna sold like a Wardruna candle, which was some kind of partnership with a company that they knew. And, um, you know, that's cool that you could listen to your album and like have your candle at the same time. And was it Wardruna, I, was it Wardruna that did beard oil as well? Is I can't remember. Highlung have this amazing hoodie that I really wanted but sold out, which was like a fleece hoodie. And I was like, that sounds amazing because Highland have really awesome merch as well. So these bands that we're all kind of excited about seem to be like upping their merch game, I reckon. That's uh, yeah, that's definitely the case. And hopefully we'll see more of that. Um, all right. Well, let's call it quits there. Shall we? Uh, <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in everybody. Uh, hope you, as I said, that you had a nice Christmas um, or at least got some downtime during all of everything. Uh, uh, we are very excited about the year ahead I know it's hard out there but we are going to continue bringing you more positivity and things to get excited about in the metal scene we love our new issue obviously it's not uh, every month that we we get to put younger bands on the cover so we really appreciate you guys supporting this one and if you are a big fan of any of these bands in particular we're going to be unleashing some awesome bundles involving them in the coming days and weeks as well um, that's all on sale now uh, or at least the regular issue is uh, and uh, we'll be back next week with the return of Album of the Week and lots more um, news, reviews and all the good shit. Uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>
Goodbye.